Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Good morning and welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. This is where top performers share their secrets to help you achieve your personal and your professional goals. I am your host, Denise Griffiths, and together with my truly amazing guests, we bring you inspiring and actionable insights that are aimed to take your life and your business to the next level. Ranked in the top 2% globally, this podcast really is a must-listen. And again, it's because of my guest. So whether you're tuning in for entrepreneurial tips, career advice, or personal development strategies, get ready to turn inspiration into action, challenges into triumphs, and dreams into reality. And on today's show, I'm excited. I am delighted to welcome back to the show my friend Terry Murphy. We've met a long time ago on New Year's Eve. We're going to chat about that. And I invite you to explore high engagement communication strategies with Terry, who is a seasoned entrepreneur and expert in authentic communication. And with 28 years of success, she has written to the top 10% of a national sales organization specializing in consulting and educational initiatives. As a best-selling author, TED Talk speaker, and master certified coach, she navigates online communication for Fortune 500 clients and positioning them while positioning them as the celebrity authority. So join us today or download and listen later on wherever you listen to your podcast and discover Terry's insights into fostering high engagement and connection. Terry, welcome back to your partner. Well, it's about time, Denise. Okay. It's about time. Well, you didn't beg hard enough. That's true. <laughs> I'm going to blame you. <laughs> so, listen, we met a oh, hundred years ago. It seemed a long time ago. We were somebody that we both knew at the time, colleague, I guess, said, you two have to meet. It was New Year's Eve day. And the first thing I heard you say is, are we the only two people in the world working today? And I just fell in love with you right then. I'll yes. never forget that. Yes. Two women that don't know the off switch, but that's okay. That's what makes us special. That's exactly right. And we have been first firm friends ever since then. So before I get to hammering you with questions, because I've got them, can you share a bit about you and the wonderful ways that you navigate through the world and how you help other people? That's special. Uh, yeah, a neurotic firstborn overachiever of nine kids, one bathroom. So my goal was to grow up and have my own bathroom. So that that started the overachiever thing. But, you know, one of the things that I learned was to survive. I had to be um, hypervigilant about how people understood. And coming from a you know immigrant family with obviously the issues that come with that, um, I really got fascinated, keyword, with how bad we, how bad, but how poor words are for communication. And I looked at marketing, I looked at relationships, I looked at behavioral styles, I started getting really interested in what happens when we transmit information, whether it's other than conscious communication, um, body language, um, nonverbal communication, all that kind of thing. And I realized that so often people are challenged with hiding their fragilities, their in, you know, their 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 icky spots. Uh, and words don't always help us help them. And so as a master coach, which I became, I thought, what's what's the real thing going on here? How can I help you connect better with whomever that is, with your partners, with your team, with your marketing, with your database, whatever that is. And that's really how the Women's Wisdom Network got born because I couldn't afford to hire coaches and whatever. So I just hunkered down and really wanted to learn what it takes. What does it take to connect with another human? Because we write stories before we, in seven seconds, by the way, it's called um, conversational intelligence. And and they're wrong. 
there's just wrong. So here we are as humans trying to communicate with this thing we call language. And how do we, how do we A, find out how to help people and then B, um, help to connect with them. And if you can't afford it, what can you do? So the Women's Wisdom Network was designed to give anyone, but particularly women and women who are trying to excel themselves in business, an opportunity to speak with an expert at no cost to help them discover possibilities for themselves or answers for themselves or resources uh, that they would typically not get connected with. And like you, I started interviewing over 437 women and men uh, in the, the, the men's room. I call it in the men's room with Murph, just because that sometimes that resource comes from a male and I don't really care. I'm right. not into gender uh, specificities. I just am into people specificities. So you know, I really got started with that. And that, of course, helped in sales a lot because sales is really leadership. Um, being a better communicator helped me figure out what people really needed. And uh, and the rest was just history, books, articles, that kind of stuff. But um, I just feel like if we're in this world together and we cross paths, Denise, as you and I have, there's a magic to that. There's a divinity to that, if I can say that. And it's why you, with the 1.6 billion people, you know, that might be in, in, in one area, why you? And so that tells me that there's a gift here. And when you go into it with that kind of wonder, respect, curiosity, uh, gratitude, it's a whole different outcome. So that's kind of where I'm at. It really is. And you just said something that I had to scribble down about connecting you know, with other people and connecting with yourself and listen, when we're telling tales, when we're listening to the tales, we tell other people and ourselves, we're almost always wrong. I mean, we really are. That's what I found. I mean, the crap that I tell myself, I often have to say, well, Terry, I'm telling you right now, if any, but you know, we all have these internal dialogues going on. We have these internal histories, internal stories. And I'll tell you, with from the heart, if anybody spoke to me in a Walmart parking lot, the way I speak to myself, I would need bail money. <laughs> well, right? you know, that's, that's one of the points in my Smart Women and Smarter Choices uh, book. And that is, we are brutal to ourselves. I mean, we do the comparing game. Uh, and I, I mentioned to you yesterday, I saw some celebrities and you know, uh, celebrities have people that make them look fabulous. We start with, well, I should, I, 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 you know, and, and that whole thing is a, that's a non-win. I mean, it's okay to observe and change. It's not okay to beat yourself up consistently. And women do that every single time I talk to them. I mean, I've counseled two Miss Americas and they've got a freaking crown, Denise. They've got the sash, right? That, you know, people think they're beautiful and they're like, oh yeah, but look at this. They're like, oh, shut up. Will you should you know, it's it's crazy how fragile we really are. And, and we just compare too much to things that are not real. Social media is not all that real. No. Um, television movies are not real. It's it's when you see the people in real life and you realize they're just people, uh, that the, that's the fantasy around it. And I just wish we were kinder to ourselves. I don't mean indulgent. Um, I don't mean that we, uh, I think we just need to give ourselves a little bit of a break and change. You know, uh, I, one of the best things I've heard from uh, my team who are NLP experts is you hit the clutch. When you hear yourself going, you're so stupid, you're so dumpy, you're so this, you're so that, you just hit the clutch. And here's what you say to yourself, Denise, that thought doesn't serve me anymore. Thank you. And then I can do this. I will do this. i I, I I focus on the next step because what does it help to beat yourself up? Make sure you eat chocolate or drink wine and then you just get fat and depressed. <laughs> and you know what I do when I catch myself going through these ugly mental loops and even though I'm aware of them, I still do them. They'll just kind of sneak up on me and I will stop. And I do two things. I go do what I call a open refrigerator door meditation. <laughs> I will take my butt out of my office, trek to the kitchen and open that, you know, I've got double doors and I will stick my body as far in as I can go. Because, you know, when you open a refrigerator door, you don't know how you got there. 
you don't remember oh. you don't oh. remember the trip. And, and isn't it like we expect something to jump out? You know, right. <laughs> you all of a sudden, you know, look, why am I here? What did I want? Shut the door. So I do that. I'll deliberately go stick myself in the refrigerator. I'm not a lunatic, <laughs> I promise. And then once I've gotten a little bit of clarity, then I will say, okay, Denise, that thought you were having, is it true? Is it really true? And I have to force myself to say, no, that was garbage. Then I can shut the refrigerator door and move back to my office. Yeah, it's self-talk is one of our biggest challenges as women in business and in communication, because it is communication. Unfortunately, we don't realize that that conversation in our brain is coming from somewhere. And it mm -hmm. comes from a vortex that's highly personal. It's you and how you see the world and how you interpret it. That doesn't make it bad or good. You just have to know it's a solo act. And so you and I can look at different things and or different scenarios or or different you know visions and then go, oh, and, and have completely different uh, takes from it because we can only operate from our own operating system. And so if you're listening to this, I'll just say, um, think about it before, before you judge. Uh, you know, one of the things that I, uh, one of my activities is to give presentation skill training to people. And it's not about say this, not that, move your hand this way. It's how to understand what's, what's occupying their brain. And every time, Denise, that you get an interruption of any kind, whether it's, you know, you're walking down the street and something jumps out at you, or you get a ping on your Apple watch, or somebody calls you, it takes your analog brain 23 minutes and 17 seconds to go to back where it was. And that was uh, from a book called Future Shock by Douglas Rushkoff. And it's gotten worse. Um, I'm studying a book right now on stolen focus uh, by Johan Hari. And we are being trained to be digiphrenic, which is digitally schizophrenic, because we're so fractured. And so the, the attention span that we have for another human, or even our dogs, or cats for that matter, is so fractured that we don't ever connect, really. Give me that author again. I'm going to have to find that book. Well, Douglas Rushkoff wrote Future Shock. Okay. Go These ahead. are not juicy books. But oh, it is an it is an amazing book uh, written by Rushkoff about the whole digiphrenia thing, the present shock, what we're doing. And the second book, which is the follow up to that, is called Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. And it is brilliant because what it's showing us is over the years how we have changed the neuroplasticity of our brains that needs such constant Uh, how do I say readjustment of our focus because it's jerking so it not back. there and it's well, gone down. Well, watch said that I said jerk it back. You know, you have to jerk <laughs> yourself back all the time. I do watch television. Just oh. watch the television and watch how many times the camera angle changes in less than five seconds. Just watch it, see, and you I will see that. what happens as the brain is forever trying to keep up with that kind of uh, significant impact because you're, you know, you're processing, processing, processing while you're processing. Where are you? <laughs> What's being said? Oh, that's not like me. Oh my God. Look at that. Oh, I like that. I don't like that. Oh my, that's disgusting. I mean, you're, you're talking to self, but here's the problem. You are talking to self. So you never get anything outside of your own ether which is where mentoring or coaching or listening to podcasts help you expand that vortex so that you understand that you may not be the only way to look at something or that, that you could be wrong or you're basing it based on the information you can get in that hyper-local moment. Communication is challenging. It is. <laughs> and you have to be aware of how you absorb information. I don't like TV. I never have. I watch very few movies. In fact, I picked up my remote a few weeks ago, maybe longer, and I had to study it to figure out how to turn my TV on. I thought the battery <laughs> did. I didn't know. I the only, yeah, television is, is so misleading. But for some of us, uh, not you because you work 24-7, 
Yes. But for some of us uh, who don't have little fur animals to make us happy, it turns our brains off, which is fine, as long as it's not to me destructive or hurt anybody. But it gives us a chance to not talk to ourselves for a minute. <laughs> Because yeah. otherwise we're just chattering, 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 and chattering. And it's the same chatter because it's taken from the same stock. I agree with you. And, you know, going back to what I was thinking, you know, we all learn differently. I read and I listen. Those are my preferences. TV, no thanks. Unless it's a discovery of witches. I've discovered that and I love it. But other than that, no. But if you figure out how you're going to learn and absorb and really work with yourself and on yourself, you have to find out how you communicate with yourself and how you learn. Uh, absolutely. So he talks about it. Um, you have to also understand that in television that they'll roll a camera to generate drama or conflict. And if you're trying to get away from conflict, it's probably not a good idea. But I'm not suggesting we don't. They, I think movies are wonderful. But Present Shock uh, talks about how everything happens in the now. And we just are having struggles as communicators to be in the now with a present person. So I'll tell you a quick story. When I was writing for Copley News years ago, um, I had to, I got called in to meet the editor. And I was terrified. <laughs> terrified I wrote a column every single Sunday and I wrote it and he called me in and he was this great big person I mean you know I'm not that big but he was an albino and he was at least 350 pounds and he had his desk up on you know up on a platform so when you walked in you felt like a midget and um he said how are you and I said oh I'm fine he said he looked me straight in the eye he said I'm asking you how are you and it was in that moment I realized that so often we don't really listen. You talked about listening. But listening and hearing are two different things. And then responding without reacting. So hitting that clutch is really helpful because someone may ask you something and you think, especially if you're a type A or a double D of behavioral style where you're going to fix things, you may not hear that. So all I'm saying is be kind to self. Um, I love, I'm not a Bible person because God would hurt me, but, you know, Father, forgive them because people don't, they do the best they can in the moment. And so if you can understand emotional intelligence, conversational intelligence, how people communicate through their behavioral styles, um, nonverbal communication, you've got a much better chance of being a better human to both yourself and other people. I agree with you. And what you're, what I'm hearing you say is empathy without oh, saying empathy. Oh, empathy is huge. Yeah, you know, and that's so interesting because if you study Forbes, uh, because I'm do, I do leadership training and I'm about to do my sixth year with the executive leadership group. I never thought they'd take the course, by the way, because I thought, oh my God, this is just not your traditional leadership. But leadership, according to Forbes, the number one component is empathy, not sympathy, but empathy. And so as especially if you're um, business consulting or coaching, you it's not about what did you do, Denise, and why didn't you do it? It's so much more. Here's something you said you wanted. Here's how you said you were going to get there. And here was the timeline. What can we do to help you get there uh, because you got off course or because you've changed your mind? It's about helping people get where they want to go. And if you can do that with communication, whether it's your children or your partner or your team, you can build the loyalty because they know it's a safe place. Not that you're going to coddle them, but there's not judgment, there's observation. Now, obviously, you have to have matching core values. I mean, you know, for some people, I just did some work in uh, Paris, actually, with, uh, with a group. And the one issue they don't have there is in the real estate industry is standards, because every country has not been connected. And of course, with the advancement in technology, uh, this is of time that's come. But what's interesting is that there are no ethics. Let me rephrase that. There is not organized ethics. And that's where people feel safe when they know their boundaries, when they know what's expected in a relationship. 
you know, when we wrote Smart Women, Smarter Choices, and we found out that one of the questions no one ever asks, we used to ask, you know, did you, have you been tested? Now we ask, what's your FICO score? Because, because there's so much we don't discuss, we don't address. And part of that goes back to how your behavioral style is. And if you're adverse to confrontation, which a lot of women are, uh, a lot of people are, not women, because it's 50-50, then there's a way to do it without being confronting. Make sense? It has to be a safe place. You know, and here's what I think about confronting. Don't step on my boundaries and I won't step on yours. We can talk about what those boundaries are, but if you do it again, I'm probably going to punch you in the nose. Yeah, well, here's the thing, though. So often people don't know what boundaries are because, A, they're ever not spoken, they're not reviewed, uh, and they don't know they've done it until they've done it. And if they do, was it un- was it intentional? Sometimes it's not intentional. So you're right. You know, first time, whatever. Second time, look out. Third time, you're dead to me. <laughs> We're done. Exactly. I will Little tell Italian you. Thing. No, not necessarily. I will tell you no twice. The first time, no is no. It's a complete sentence. The second time is a courtesy. There is no third time. Yeah, that's Italian. Um, I will tell you that no is one of the toughest words for uh, women, particularly to say. We have this Wonder Woman syndrome that we have, that we have to do everything well, backwards, dancing in heels, emaciated, uh, but glamorous. And that is just such a bad (laughs) scenario. We can say no. And and one of the things I've learned to help people who have issues saying no, because we, you know, if you've got a, well, let's just say you're high influence in your your disc, uh, which is the people that you know, like to help everybody and they're high, you know, they're high about interaction, not you. And, um, you know, they, they, well. yeah, <laughs> they will let their alligator, uh, their hummingbird uh, mouth overcome their alligator, but they will commit and then not be able to do it. And so one of the things that we try to help people do is a execute what they say they were, were going to execute. And then, and then B, um, just be aware that you don't have to say yes to everything. You can say not yes yet, which is one of our negotiation um, uh, initiatives. You can say, let me check and get back to you. Or, you know, my calendar's full that day, but let me refer you to Denise because she might be able to help you. Again, not confrontation, opportunity, resources, and options. It's really hard for people to say no. And then they get frustrated and then they cut into their own purse time and then they feel less than, and it, it's a cycle. It's a cycle. So stop, so stop it. Be like Denise, say no. My mother used to tell me, and she meant this from her heart, that my first word was not mommy, yes. daddy, or dog. It was no. And she said, I said it with a lot of verve, whatever that meant <laughs> child who could barely speak but. and if you were telling you'd use hand gestures to say <laughs> i get that but listen we're we're talking this is a really important conversation i'm so glad we're having it but what key information do women and men need to be aware of in order to be able to say no and optimize their talents and their time and their energy and listen i'm going to throw this in as an aside it was a thought i had as i was asking you that question but I suspect that most people, if they have not said no and they proceed to do, you know, whatever job or, you know, honor whatever contract they said they would are miserable. They should have gone with their gut. You know, that is so true. So there's times in your life and I will use the word just because it's colorful. You'll have to prostitute your time uh, for something that is not your favorite. So you remember some of your first jobs, they weren't your favorites, but you did them because you needed the money for rent. But really, when you come down to your core values, which when we're writing Smart Women, Smarter Choices, and this was in the selection process of partners, whether it was romantic or business or professional, whatever, you have to start with what you just talked about, your boundaries. What are your non-negotiables? And there are non-negotiables, but you often, women often never say that and neither do men. And that's when I learned uh, in the men's room with Murph that, that, that it was articulated. 
So the first thing is what, you know, how do you live? What is, what, what are your, your non-negotiables? You know, is it drugs? Is it, um, is it political? What, what are they? Because when you know that, then you can be in a better match for communicating. I may not agree with you, Denise, but I can politely agree to disagree. You get the right to see the world how you see it. But as long as you don't hurt people in the earth, I, I got nothing to say about that. But the core values are never articulated. So when in this, let's just take the selection process of, of somebody in your life. If you've got a friend that constantly stands you up, that says to me, you don't respect my time. So you have the conversation and you say, look, I appreciate our time together, but I can't, you know, if you're going to be at two hours late and I've made brunch, um, that's not going to work because you don't need that irritation in your life. I mean, life is rugged. So you've got to have the joy in it and people should be joyful in what they do and how they do it and whom they do it with. So when you have a match of core values and you, you can ask deeper questions and that's where uh, behavioral interviewing comes in. So, you know, Denise says, um, I, I, you know, when I'm uh, really depressed, I like to take a, a nice, beautiful bubble bath and da, da, da. And so I'll ask you questions that, go deeper that say, well, what, what makes you feel more comfortable there? And you start getting into the deeper part of what people expect. So asking you as an example, if I was gonna hire you for a job as, a, as an assistant, I'd say, Denise, on a scale of one to 10, uh, 10 being the best, how, do you, how would you rate yourself? You'd say, oh, I'm a nine, maybe a 10, maybe a 11. By whose standards? By my by, I know you. By whose standards is that? Exactly. Because my, I'm, I'm an idiot. I mean, I'm a clean freak. So I got like pointed Q-tips that that's a whole lot different than somebody else who thinks, you know, a little, a little Windex is going to work. So you start getting into the deeper parts of the, tell me what that looks like. Show me, tell me a time that you had uh, an organizational issue, a challenge, a project. And what did you do? It gives me better, deeper, bigger insights into how you think, what your values are, how, how those um, motivators work. Is your motivator altruism? If you're the kind of person that wants to give to the world, that's great, but you can't do that if you're IRS, right? That's very black and white. If you're in some kind of authority control, you can't do that. So are you a good fit for what I'm expecting or what I want in my life? It doesn't mean it's good or bad. It just means if I'm a Felix and you're an Oscar, which people who are under 30 won't understand that. Uh, if I'm really a neat freak and you're not, that could be a conflict. If I'm on time and I'm early and you're not, that could be a conflict. So you you just want to understand how people live their life, how to ask the questions that match what you're looking for, whether it's in a personal relationship or a business relationship. And when it, there's clarity, when there's common intention, which is how you build a good team, when there's communication that's designed to be safe, but supportive, then you can release if it doesn't work because you have a mutual understanding of why. You need to be happy with what you do. I need to be happy with what I do. Live and be well. Make sense? It does. And my next observation is if you don't have clarity or haven't found a way to you know, identify your boundaries and what's acceptable and what's not. Then the next question you should start asking if you keep hitting the same roadblocks road blocks over and over again is what are you tolerating? And yeah. Why? Yeah, I've got a whole podcast with Sandy Newman. She's an incredible coach. And um, what are you tolerating? It's called a bug me list. Now there's two bug me lists. There's the one that you, every time you pass this piece of paper that you need to put away, you go, I got to put that away. Well, that, that again, defrags your brain, right? Because you're like, just do it. So it's do it, delegate it or dump it, quite frankly. But the bug me list can be um, that garage project that you've been putting off or that book that you haven't finished writing because it takes your attention and fragments it. Then there's toleration of of situation that at some point will become intolerable and my question to you would be why are you have do you have to tolerate that well because 
Um, I'm married to it. Um, I it's a kid. It's a bad, you know, it's a bad dog. Why are you tolerating it? There's there's remedies if you will look. There's solutions that there will look. Or why are you doing it to yourself, which is costing you comfort, joy, safety, whatever? It's it's that self-value that women particularly don't always recognize. <clears throat> you might be terrific at fractions. I'm not but I can hire out somebody to do the fractions, you know, QuickBooks, or you're a, a world-class podcaster. Well, you got there because you learned things. If you want it, you can get it. This is the greatest country in the world. We have resources everywhere. That's the problem. We have resources everywhere. So what can you do that helps you live your life so that it is comfortable, joyful, safe, and in engaging and it restores you if it's always taking from you you know I had a woman that I was I just wanted to hug her I just did I was coaching her and she could not say no and she had everybody in her life was just taking from her there was basically nothing left in this little body her husband worked part-time nights he moved his sister in the basement who sucked up all the internet her kids would show up with their dog, their kid, and their illegitimate, you know, their partner or whatever. They were all crashing at her house. And she was in her car in the cold trying to get me to work with her because she didn't have internet at her home because everybody was using it. And I said to her, I never went to Target, but I went to Target because a friend of mine had bought this cup and it just said, no, nope, not yet. And I said, every time somebody asks you for something, I just want you to put this cup up because you can't say no because she was basically a mat and what I saw was her health was de deteriorating her self-respect was gone because she gave everything so that she didn't have because she didn't feel worthy and I said where did that come from and finally I mean finally she she got a hold of herself but we've got, I mean, this sounds so corny and it's stupid, you know, it sounds slacky, but you got to love yourself. You got here however you got here. And there's something unique about you. There's no one else that has your DNA. There's no one else we can reproduce. I was actually engaged to a geneticist and he used to say something creepy like, if I, you know, shake your hand, I can make one of you. Well, <laughs> that was creepy. <laughs> I know. I mean, he's fun. And I, it's gone, I bet. But, but you have to think about that for a second. We could create another Michael Jordan. He would look like Michael Jordan, but he couldn't be Michael Jordan because he was born in a time that we could never reproduce with influences and impacts and scenarios and experiences and people and weather and location and politics and everything that affects how you are today. And so even if you're listening to this and you feel like, oh, well, I'm not a, you know, Nobel Peace Prize winner and I'm, I'm not an author, I'm not this, I'm not that, you still bring something to the table that no one else in the universe ever will or can bring to that puzzle. You are a unique piece of that puzzle. And so what you need to do is quit looking at comparing yourself to everybody else, stop the self-talk that says I'm not worthy and say, look, I got something and I'm going to find out what it is. And it's just going to be how I see the world. It's like an artist, Denise. I can give you the same paint box that I have. Mine will be, of course, hideous because they took away my, my crayons as a kid. But we will paint different pictures because the pictures in our head, our influences, how we see things are going to be totally different. And that's what's beautiful about the tapestry of life. Everyone has their own colors and threads, and they make this beautiful tapestry that is unique to them and how they see things. And that's why we love a Picasso over maybe, you know, a Ruben, because we see things differently. So honor yourself. Pay attention to what you resonate with your soul. Right. And right. share it. When it's you the talking. only one. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. When you were talking about that lady, I have to tell you, my, I was grabbing my stomach. It hurt my stomach. Oh, Just, my God. I mean, it really did. God bless her. I, but, you know, here's the thing. When And I don't know about you, Terry, but I think in pictures. You know, I've got yeah. watching 
all over the place. And I didn't know that I was a creative for way too long. I had no idea. I didn't know that I, you know, had political, I mean, a, a computer science degree in my future. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. I was like, well, okay. Once I discovered these things about myself, a whole new world opened up. But I do think in pictures. Now, if you asked me to draw hangman, he would look like he needed to go to the hospital. His back was broken. I can't draw a straight line, but I can build the most beautiful websites in my head. I don't have to write them down. I may be, you know, standing over the stove making a gumbo and I've got that website in my head. It's built. All I have to do is come back in here and build it. So if only, only, yeah, I was just going to say, if only we knew, if only we recognized and celebrated how unique we are. Uh, I got to tell you, um, first of all, that the thing that broke my heart about this woman I'll call Kate was one night we had to rearrange her, her coaching call and uh, she we're on camera, which is required. And she was scraping cold dinner out of a pan that she'd made dinner for everybody and they ate it, but they didn't clean up. And she was eating what was left over cold. And I thought to myself, I just wanted to hug her. Um, I just wanted to her and say, I don't know what happened, but we have to, we have to fix this. If we only knew if we only allowed ourselves to connect with this personal power, I had a, a shrink that told me I was profoundly unattractive. What? Yeah. Well, let me finish the story. He, he said, you know, you are profoundly unattractive. And I thought, well, yeah, I, you know, the Italian mustache and the gold tooth have probably got to go, but you know what I'm saying? And he said to an African witch doctor and what he uh-huh. was trying to make me understand was at that particular time, the the poster children the poster people for beautiful was blonde in california cheryl teagues you know what's her name that they're the, the, all tall blonde beautiful women well if you know me i'm five foot barely and not one bit blonde and i just thought well that's beautiful and you know i'm not and the fact is is that thankfully uh, we now understand that there's different levels but that story was a story you told yourself for a long time and it was totally wrong and one of my best friends uh who had a more more impactful story grew up in iran her grandmother raised her and said you are so ugly you know you're thank god you're smart because you are just not you are never going to have a man because you are just too ugly but you're smart so you'll make money and i'll help you make money Fast forward, she comes to this country, uh, gets an engineering degree, starts a business. Uh, it's called Silverland Desserts. She hires, she learns, she speaks like five different languages. She hires reformed gang members. She's done this for s- several years very successfully. Well, in 2007, her girlfriend, who's a photographer, says, go next door, you're going to try out for this thing. She said, what thing? She said, just go over there. Well, it was the face of Dove in 2007. She was the face of Dove, this ugly girl. Absolutely, when she smiles, it's like the lights in Vegas go on. She is beautiful, but she's more beautiful inside than out. Again, somebody told her, somebody else's opinion, somebody else's vortex told her what their level of beauty was, what their level of accomplishment was. And it was totally incorrect. Let me rephrase that. It was inaccurate. She's on a billboard in New York City, the size of a small you know, country, because she was beautiful. So someone may have told you something that was inaccurate to them. Don't make that your book. Just look at it and say, thank you. That thought doesn't serve me anymore. Is it real? Is it really real? Yeah. yeah. People can be mm-hmm. consciously or unconsciously cruel, but it really is up to us as individuals to say, hmm, well, good for you. I'm never speaking to you again, but good for you. Yeah. 
The problem is it, we just think about this as a child. If someone tells you you're a bad child, um, it you know it hurts when you, you get spanked. It, you know it hurts because these are the people that are supposed to love you, and so that's your that's your uh, reservoir for judgment and observation. And so we just have to be so careful with each other. We have to respect the fact that words can mean something else to someone else. And you can always ask, I just want you to, especially as a coach, I have to do this and remind myself, I'll have to say, now tell me what you think I just told you. And so often, here's what happens in the brain. We say something and you go back into your files and you're pulling up a greyhound bus when I'm talking about a dog. We could be on different pages. Just in a sincere and really open way, just say, I want to be sure that you understand what I'm trying to tell you, because it could be totally misunderstood. Kindness, empathy, listening with intensity, right. listening with judgment. Communication is, we, we must have it. We are born to be socially connected with something. I would say to you, if you're hearing this, Invest a little time, invest a little in a podcast, in a book, in a auto, audible book on how to communicate more effectively, more intentionally, with more clarity and authenticity and transparency. Because when people know it's a safe place, they don't care how you look because they feel it. It's nonverbal. When you are a safe place, it's irresistibly attractive. Terry, you just said something so important when you were, you know, making sure that the people you're working with did hear what you intended for them to hear. And I'm guessing that most of the time they actually didn't. No, they don't. So going I mean, that step further yeah. allows you to clarify, no, this is this is what I asked you. Let's talk about that because, you know, that may derail us if we don't get that cleared up. And it's it's the same with uh, it's it, in any case, but it's specifically between men and women, because men have boxes. That's how they think. Their brain is in little quadrants. They have a quadrant for sports and food and lots of other stuff. And women are weatherboards. We have full connection. And so when we jack them out of a box and say, "Well, what do you want for dinner?" when they're in the middle of a basketball game. Uh, they look up, they have to come out of that box and go into the food box. And then they say something like, I don't care. And as soon as you leave, they go back into the other box. And then you come back and you say, well, would you like chicken? And they have to come out of that box, literally, in with attention, go into this other thing and go back. The problem is men have a nothing box. This is not me talking. This is the, the, the um, advancement of how prehistorically our brains were because women were the gatherers in the community. The men were out there in the bush trying to kill something. They, they can't have a motherboard going, oh, did I turn off the coffee pot? They're sitting there waiting. So they have a place where their brain rests, where nothing happens. Women don't have that. And we always want to get in that box. We want to know what they're thinking. We want to put potpourri in there. They have a nothing oh, box. Sorry. <laughs> potpourri. That's going to be with me all day. I'm just telling you, uh, a good friend of mine wrote a book on uh, on that. And well, it's it's historical, but our prehistoric brains. Can you imagine if you're sitting there going, oh, gee, I wonder what Ellen's doing, trying to kill a saber toothed tiger. I mean, seriously, they have to have a place where their brain just sits. And when we understand that. And then we, because you and I will switch conversation. You and I can do this all day long. We'll talk about something that happened in, you know, 20 years ago. They they're, they have to come out of that box and reconnect. And so it, it's respectful to say, by the way, I'm changing subjects. Uh, because we'll talk about chicken. And then three days later, he'll, I'll say, well, you said you wanted chicken. He goes, I don't remember that. Because they weren't there. They weren't there. So being respectful. And like you said, getting confirmation, setting them up that you're changing the subject, uh, especially those of us that are high eyes where, you know, squirrel, squirrel, uh, we're easily distracted and highly excited. Uh, 
for those people that are on the other side of the grid, the people that are a little slower, less reactive and more pragmatic, we just need to respect that and be aware of it. I have to tell you, Terry, I did not know this about men. I didn't. Oh, girl. Yeah. I had no clue that they had an empty box that explains so much of my past. It really does. And I'm not going to go into that, but I'll never marry again. That's for sure. Well, don't say that. No, I'm Sometimes... saying Yeah, sometimes we uh, we we just need to understand that people communicate differently, Denise. And we're so fast. We're in a we're in a situation in a society now that is like uber fast. And when you slow down, and your voice particularly is extremely engaging. It's soothing. It's attractive. Uh, I that brings me to another thing about communication. Oh my God, uh, you get a bunch of women together and they get excited and their voices get higher. And I, I can't imagine how um, for somebody who's auditory, who who processes through their ears, that that isn't offensive. Just just slow down a little bit. Look somebody in the eye. Speak to them directly. You know we get we can't get louder. We can't get more obnoxious. We can't get more sensational because we bring people in when we get a little quieter. This and that just tells me that you're being a little more intentional. Intentional well, is a big part. It does. And, you know, and I will often tell people to listen, just stop talking, listen, <laughs> stop talking. And, and I'm not being rude about it. And I'm explaining why I'm saying, you know, especially when I'm coaching with people who want to have their own podcast, it is exactly what you just said. Don't get excited. Don't raise your pitch. Stay calm and listen. You know, employ your empathy. You know, be very intentional about what you're hearing so you can ask questions that make sense. Well, when you ask questions, it's sort of like taking notes in a meeting. When you ask questions, uh, especially if they're open-ended and I, this is not manipulative really, but uh, you know, Oh, I'd like chicken. Well, I like, I'm glad you like chicken. What, what kind of chicken? Well, I like it. You know, stewed is going to be totally different than, you know, fried, but you, when you ask questions, it makes people know that you're interested. You know, if you have a, a mantra, be interesting, but be more interested. When you're more interested, we, we have this need to be seen, value, and heard. I don't care if I'm in the grocery store. It's taken me a year to get Ivan, who works in produce, to say hello. But every time I see Ivan, I'm like, hey, Ivan, how you doing? Oh, okay. He's just a kid. No one recognizes that kid. But when you do that, when you, when you acknowledge someone just because of who they are, and I practice this all the time, Denise. I get in trouble because, you know, go to a basketball game, 17,000 people are checking in. And that little person that takes the ticket, my goal is to make them laugh or smile in that three seconds it takes. And it is so much fun because my friends will go, what did you just say? I said, nothing. I said, nothing. Because it's, it's communicating, seeing value and heard. You may not agree with me, but you see me, you value that interaction, and I hear you. And when you acknowledge that, people open up like a beautiful flower. They do. Years ago, and I know you you lived in Nashville a long time. I my sister had come from California to a, you know, some kind of event. And she, we were at the whatever that big hotel is, and we wandered over to um, it was the Ryman I think at that time, and we did we didn't have tickets, so we just landed wherever we landed, and she happened to be a row behind me, a couple seats down. And listen, I live in the South. I might as well have been born a Southerner. I wasn't, but I've been here so long. I'm an honorary Southerner, I guess. And during an interim, this you know hand reaches out and taps me. And she said, do you know those people? And I said, what people? She said, the people you're talking to. I said, no, I've never met them. Well, why are you talking? <laughs> to him it's the south it's the south that's so much fun because uh for those of you that never lived in the south 
my first time there, I was in an elevator and the guy next to me was going, hey, how y'all, how you doing today? And we're going, uh, uh, good. And what's it to you? You know, because <laughs> I'm from Chicago. And it's, I, I said to my friend, do you know them? He goes, oh, no. Exactly. Listen, when I Bless first landed hearts. here long, long time ago, I called my mom. I said, do you know that checkers checking your food out at the grocery store look at you? She said, what? <laughs> they they yeah. look up at you and say, hey, how are you doing? Startled the heck out of me. It's, uh, I, I, I just, if you're a human, you communicate. Right. Even if you're deaf, you communicate. I'm saying if you communicate, seen, value, heard should be your mantra. It opens doors. It creates a smile. It can change people's physiology. It makes, it goes beyond your knowing. When you acknowledge, I, I was in the grocery store last, uh, last night and there's this beautiful Asian woman. She was dressed in white, young woman. And I, I said to her, gosh, you're so pretty. She looked at me like I had just given her a million dollars, but she was so pretty. She was so put together, which you don't see too often. I can't tell you how often you watch their whole physiology change. You know, the Kindness Revolution is a group I worked with, and it's not about being kind. It's about being seen, value, and heard. Just know that everybody wants the same thing. I mean, if you don't you know, go to TikTok, you'll see dogs that want to like birds and babies that want, I mean, it's people want to be loved and not in a creepy way, but just seen value heard. If you, if you take nothing else from this terrific podcast, Denise, that you've uh, made provisions for, um, just know that everybody wants the same thing. Even if they're a cranky pants, they want to be loved. This is true. Listen, when and I am a completely committed introvert. I'm not shy. I don't have any filters, but I need to be alone about 98% of the time. And I figured <laughs> this out about myself. Again, I'll never get married. But listen, when I do go outside, I'm pasty skinned. I mean, I like to say I have a peaches and cream complexion. It's more like curdled milk. But when <laughs> I go outside, I have to wear a hat. That's just all there is to it. So I was you know, gird my loins and say, okay, I'm going out there and I will put on my black cap, baseball cap, my biggest black Ray-Bans, you know, ice sunglasses and my resting bitch face. And off I go. People want to talk to me. The minute I hit the pavement, <laughs> I'm like, huh? uh -huh. <laughs> it's an aura. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, it is. I've got my list. I'm going to get in. I'm going to get out. I never get in and get out. Everybody wants to talk with me. Yep. It's crazy snakes. And I want to say, look, no. I've got my resting bitch face on. What is wrong with you? Doesn't huh. slow them down none. I'm telling you, girl, you can't not, you can't not communicate. Your body exactly. will communicate before you get there, before you enter a room. Just That's know true. that if you elevate that awareness, awareness that there is a divine connection for why you're in that moment. And I'm not trying to be weird here, but there's a there's statistical impossibility, right? That you and I could connect a hundred years later from a New Year's from a from a connection from another human. So that's just so special. And if you understand that people feel safe, even in your bitch face with your glasses and your hat, <laughs> they're going to do it. So you know what? Go for it. It's interesting. And what I find interesting, because, you know, I do kind of like to wonder what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, and what was my take on it. You know, I tend to go deep, as you do. And I'll come back, you know, I'm going in, I've got my list, I know exactly what's on what aisle. I mean, it's, it's like a, a military invasion. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's just not never happens but I'll come back and go well, that was fun and I'll you know, kind yeah. of and the people that chatted with me or you know say hey do you need help putting that in the car sure you know that kind of thing and it does energize and invigorate me but when I'm ready to go home I'll go home oh yeah but but it's that refreshment it's that fresh stream of water or air from another human from another interaction that that energizes that. And I mean, I'm the same way. I mean, I'm, I'm, I work alone, but um, 
Yeah, people think I work in the store. I mean, men will come up to and say, do you know where to find this? I'm like, do, you know, I got my, okay. <laughs> I was like, I obviously don't work there. Like, okay, so apparently being a firstborn, I'm, I'm broadcasting because people want help. I'm going to help them just like you. But the good news is, is that um, we need each other, Denise. That's what this is all about. We support each other uh, and that gets everybody uh, a great life. It does. And I'm going to point out the obvious when men are approaching you in a grocery store, it might could be because you're gorgeous. Yeah, <laughs> there you have it. Thank you. Uh, it depends on the day and, and how much makeup I could put on. But yes, uh, I, I have always wanted to be of help. Um, I think that's just something I learned as a kid. Uh, it was the value that I brought to the table. My mom said, you help everybody. And I had great parents that did that. So um, if that's what gets you love, if that's what turns you on, then um, practice it well. Exactly. Listen, before I let you go, we've got about five more minutes. I wanted you to, you know, kind of talk about your programs. And my understanding is that you blend education, entertainment and practical strategies. Where can people find you? You know, how, why would they want to work with you? How can you help them? So the Women's Wisdom Network, um, I started way back in the 90s, uh, it originally was a, a platform to interview experts that other women could access to and get information about possible careers or whatever. Uh, it has since evolved into smart women, smarter choices, because nobody wants to make a stupid mistake, but if you didn't know any better, right? So if you marry him and he's on parole, <laughs> uh, you should have asked a different question. So uh, the Women's Wisdom Network is a platform that offers programs for women in business. We have a basic program just to help entrepreneurs. You know, when we wrote the One Minute Entrepreneur with Ken Blanchard several years ago, I interviewed so many entrepreneurs and everybody wants to work hard in their business, but they don't understand that the magic is working on your business. Um, what are your processes? What are the systems? Because the, the one thing that we all do too much as entrepreneurs is we work too much. And we don't work on the things that are dollar productive. We want to be busy and we're ready to push up our sleeves, but we don't understand that there are some systems that will support that so that you can make more money with less stress and have a life. So we have that program. Working on a program right now on building, I hate to call it a network, but your MVPs. There are people like you, Denise, that I can call that would that know, like, and trust and know what I do. So you have no problem referring me as I did for you, like with Jim. So, it, and it's not like you're expecting money back or, or you know reciprocity. But when Shildini wrote the Power of Persuasion, he talked about reciprocity. And if I continue to support you, you very often, if you're a writing fan, will want to support me. So we're working on one called MVPs, how to how to build your MVPs for uh, more income and uh, less stress. And then the leadership programs. Um, leadership has changed. We've got generational dynamics. We have different values. We have different ways to engage, especially adults. Try to engage an adult for six hours that's an entrepreneur. They're crazy. They're crazy. So it has to be somewhat entertaining, but it has to be edutainment. There has to be ways to help them discover new ways to do things because you can't tell people what to do anymore. So it's it's a, it's a, a series of of programs that I offer, but mostly the master coaches as a master coach to help somebody through their business, <clears throat> and uh, that's pretty much where I am right now. I'm also the senior editor for uh, an online program, so we do a lot of interviews. So it's kind of a wonderful, like you, it's a wonderful opportunity to meet people and to learn new things. So if you want information, you could just. Email me, it's Terry at terrymurphy.com or go to the Women's Wisdom Network and check it out. And it's Terry with an I, not a Y. Yep, I know. Terry with a Y has a full beard. He's in San Francisco. And now we're friends because he gets a lot of my emails. I bet he does. And listen, for those of you who are saying, who's Jim? We're talking about one of my very favorite people in the whole wide world. And that's Jim Tunney. He's known as the Dean of NFL Referees. I mean, he's, did he ever tell you the Frank Sinatra story, Terry? 
Yes. Oh, I love yeah. that story. Anyway, we're not, we don't have time to go on. It's not about that anyway, but what, um, what a career that man has had. Listen, where can, and I wanted to ask you too, before I let you go, what do you feel some of your biggest achievements are or accomplishments so far? Because I mean, look, yeah. I, I have followed you around for years. I lurk. I'm always going, we're at Paris. What's she doing over there? <laughs> so, I mean, you are here, there, and yonder. And I'm amazed by how you do all these things. But what what's your biggest achievement? Today? You know, there's, there's two of them uh, that come to mind. First of all, I did a program several years ago in the Middle East for the Middle Eastern Leadership Academy. And there were 40 uh, young people in there from countries that have for historically millions of years hated each other hated you could feel it and after two and a half weeks it was a love fest it was the most terrifying i'd never been to the middle east by the way in the middle of the gaza war by the way uh but i watched the transformation and i realized then that it take off the borders take off the outer you know the sheiks take off their whites and their people uh that was a transformational moment for me the second one is every year, well, several years, seven years ago, I got asked to, uh, to fill in for somebody at Pepperdine University for YCS, Youth Citizens Organization. And um, I never, and the kids can vote you off the island, by the way. It's a, it was a, both, both of those were pro bono. And I'm about to do my seventh year. Uh, talking to 17 year olds is terrifying. <laughs> it's just terrifying. Uh, they're smart and they don't take any crap. And, and sociopaths. I remember. Oh my God. I remember yeah. being one. I'm not sure I outgrew it, to be honest. <laughs> well, that one is one of my bigger challenges. Uh, it's, uh, I've been so blessed, Denise. I mean, for a kid from Lake Villa, I just, uh, every day, every day, uh, I'm e immensely and eternally grateful for so many things. It's been, uh, it's been quite a gift. It has. And I'm so glad that we're friends and have been for so long. And Terry, you mentioned in our virtual green room before we jumped on the, the full podcast here that you have been uh, rewriting an ebook. Tell me about that. Yeah. You know, Smart Women, Smarter Choices, the 10 tips on how to harness time, energy and profitability and be the best you. Because I just got tired of saying the same things over and um, it's in its final edits because I keep rewriting it because I keep getting better tips. But uh, if anybody wants a copy, they can just go to um, Women's Wisdom Network link tree and we'll get you a copy. Perfect. I'm going to ask for that copy before I let you go. And I know I've said that a couple of times, but I don't want to let you go. I love talking with you. Is there anything else that you want the audience to know today? You know, um, I am a big proponent. I actually got to meet Og Mandino, uh, who wrote the most one of the most successful books besides the Bible that he didn't write, but I mean, it was written and that is the greatest salesman. And it's not about sales, but he has the 10 scrolls and the scrolls are 10 ways. They are, they are the guideline for living your life. And um, I literally have to tell you that um, I will live this day as if it were my last and not your last day but it's the last time you get to live this day. And I will just tell you that so often we get wrapped up in being or doing instead of being, now, I am totally guilty of that doing, you know, what else can I do to show value, to show, um, to show, uh, appreciate whatever I'm doing, what I'm, it's about doing instead of being. And I just think that in this crazy busy world, if we would just take 10 minutes to sit quietly and just be grateful, it would change the world. I'm not going to argue with you about that. I have the same thoughts swirling through my head. And, you know, time is, I think, a man-made construct. Mm -hmm. So I don't pay a whole lot of attention to time. I don't sleep a whole lot. So I may be up at 3.18 in the morning. I always am because that's when my subconscious, you know, gives me the, the answer that, to the question I asked before I went to sleep, but it's a man-made construct. So my thought here is that don't worry about what you did today or tomorrow or didn't get done. You're still here. Do it now. Amen. There you go. Yep. Do it now. 
Well, Denise, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, Terry, I sincerely appreciate your company today, and I love spending time with you. So you've already shared your online presence, so we've already got that out of the way. And everybody, go find Terry Murphy, T-E-R-R-I Murphy. You can't throw a stick on the internet without hitting her. And as <laughs> you can't, go, find, go lurk, go find her. She was in Paris a few weeks ago. I was fascinated. So as we conclude today's episode, your feedback does mean a lot to me. And if you found the show helpful... Please support us with a quick review on iTunes because your input is really vital in my self-proclaimed mission to inspire and empower more individuals. So don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a review, and share your partner in Success Radio with friends. And be sure to find Terry Murphy on the web. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Terry, thank you, thank you, thank you. Molto piacere. Molto <laughs> piacere. Pleasure's all mine. Thanks, kiddo. Bye. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab.